yeah, I, I'm like, do you need me to recite? Whoa, right. Some, that's okay. Uh, someone has something to prove outside. Um, I was like, uh, was that a monster? Are you at a monster <laughs> truck rally? <laughs> no, I just live on a street where um, people really like to engage with their toxic masculinity. Well, hello. Hi. Welcome back again to another episode of the Anhedonic Catphones podcast. This is season nine. This is episode five, or it is the 53rd episode overall. And believe it or not, this is the season nine finale. Five weeks go by so quickly. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. My name is Kevin Krein, and I will be saving all of the fine print for the end of the show. My guest today, very excited, was someone I reached out to last year for the season that I had released in the fall, and it didn't work out to have her on then, but I am extremely grateful that she was still interested in coming onto the show for this season. She's a writer, a stand-up comedian, and a host of one of the co-hosts of the weekly podcast, The Bechtel Cast. This one was a ton of fun, so I hope you enjoy it. Please give a warm welcome to my guest today, Caitlin Durante. What they should... Okay, here's a pitch. They should, instead of um, very uh, scary, alarming sounds, uh, like siren sounds on a fire truck, they should just blast, my heart will go on, and then it will just really alleviate everyone's Especially you. But also, I think if if I looked in my rearview mirror and saw a fire truck or something, but didn't hear sirens, but heard Celine Dion, I would be like, oh, this is kind of comforting, but like, I'm going to get out of the way so they can get to where they need to go. Exactly. It's, yeah, instead of like a, woo, it's just like, <laughs> near, <Yeah>. far, <laughs> That is, that's going to get the job done. Before we get into anything else, would you just like to take a moment to introduce yourself for the listeners at home? Sure. Hello, my name is Caitlin Durante. Should I say things about myself, like my that would, job, that would, my credit? That would, that would be great if you did. <laughs> I mean, I think pe- uh, people, I think people probably might know who you are, but just for those who might not, um, just if you want to... Let folks know um, where they might have heard you from, or you a little bit about, about your background. Sure. That'd be great. Yeah, I can definitely do that. What if I was like, um, and you should already know everything about me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, most, the most humble guest I have had so far. Yeah. Um, don't you know who I am? So, hello, I'm Caitlin Durante, and you probably don't know who I am because I'm not even remotely famous, but uh, I do a podcast <laughs> called the Bechtel Cast uh, that I co-host with Jamie Loftus. Uh, it's a movie podcast where we discuss movies through an intersectional feminist lens. I'm also a stand-up comic, and I do shows, and sometimes I teach screenwriting classes, and you know stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so I I cannot thank you enough for your willingness to do this and put a list together. No one has done all soundtrack songs before mm. in the four plus years that I've been doing this. And so it'll be nice to talk about the idea of soundtracks because I think we're 
of a similar age, and I grew up in the era of, like, a big movie with a big song and a soundtrack. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I really kind of miss those days of, like, the CD with the one song you want on it and maybe, like, 11 others that you're kind of, like, like not that oh, into. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, but before we talk about those songs, I just want to say I'm such a huge fan of the, the Bechtel cast and what you and Jamie do. And it really has informed a lot of how I look at film. Um, but also I've tried to apply some of the Bechtel cast stuff to pop music, like analysis, and it doesn't always work because Mm -hmm. pop music is inherently a lot of times of, of like a girl singing about a boy. So like... I tried to do it to a Carly Rae Jepsen album, and I was like, oh, this doesn't pass the Bechtel test at all. But um, it's just been really, like, it's a, it's a fun show. It's an, like a thoughtful show, and some of the, Thank like, you. Re- reoccurring bits that you and Jamie do have, like, worked their way into the lexicon of my home. So I've, I just, oh, like, this is great. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wait, like, what? <laughs> um, so... I always say the his wife in a really lovely voice. Yeah, and yeah, because my when Wendy, my wife, thinks that that is like the funniest thing. But she also um. she is a filmmaker also, and she regularly says "flim." And I was like, "Oh, they say that on the Bechtel cast sometimes." And she was like, "Oh, I love that." So she's like, she was really excited that I was talking to you. Would be like, make sure you mention me. I'm your wife. And I was like, I will do that. <laughs> yes, congratulations on having a his wife. Yeah. <laughs> big, big congrats. Oh, wife of podcaster, a terrific role that she plays. <laughs> With the songs that you picked, you put them in kind of like a chronological order. And we're starting with, um, in the 1980s, with Huey Lewis and the News. And so tell me kind of like what, how did you like put this list together and like how far back into your life did you go? Yes. So here's okay. what I, <laughs> let me go on a tirade. Um, oh, perfect. I love that. <laughs> love a tirade. <laughs> no, not tirade is the wrong word. Maybe it's more of a preface. So okay. I've, I've been asked to do a, a number of music podcasts <laughs> brag okay i'm so popular people are people are always asking me to guest on their podcasts and even just like conversations i have about music with friends or you know anytime music gets brought up i realize that i don't have quite the same connection to music as a medium or an art form as i do to movies or really just sure and like TV is like TV, um, books, uh, I famously don't know how to read, you know, things like (laughs) movies. That's got to be hard when you're teaching screenwriting. (laughs) Yeah, the the students truly have no faith in me. Um, I, (laughs) I really just have cultivated an entire personality around movies and all other media is just kind of it plays second fiddle to me so i that's that's totally okay that's totally that's very valid i totally understand thank thank you so much um but so when any time uh someone asks me to do a music podcast and i'm like oh god i don't even know what songs i like (laughs) um so 
Because, like, I'm, obviously I, I listen to music. I'm not just, like, sure. out, out for a jog, like, hearing my own thoughts. That would be scary. <laughs> oh, that would be terrible, um. yeah. Dri- driving <laughs> around in total silence. <laughs> yeah. So I, I listen to music, I, but I just don't have quite the same, like, emotional or nostalgic attachment to songs or albums as I do to movies. But the nice sure, thing about sure. movies is that one of the components – of movies is music. So I yes, have, co- often. I have kind of, <laughs> uh, yeah, unless it's, what, I feel like there's like a few movies that are just like, we don't have a score. This is going to be a scoreless, <laughs> soundtrackless movie. And it's like, oh God. So I have curated this list, not necessarily based on my strong connection to these particular songs, but it's more my strong connection to the movies associated movies. with okay. those songs. Okay. Now I do like all of these songs. I haven't <laughs> I haven't chosen any songs that I'm like, well, this sucks. Um, I enjoy all the songs. <laughs> In playing but, against type with the podcast, you're like, I actually picked a bunch of songs that I don't like, and I'm gonna roast <laughs> them on your show. I do. Oh my gosh, it's so fun to dump on stuff. But um, <laughs> no, I I do like all of these songs. Um, but it's more my emotional attachment to the movie that they are associated sure. with than my uh, connection to these songs. Just so everyone okay. knows where I'm coming from. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate that the, the preface and the tirade. And <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> But we are beginning with the 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 single, like the big song from Back to the Future, Huey Lewis yes. and the News, The Power of Love. And so I know I do know that Back to the Future one is one of your favorite films because I you went to see the musical pretty recently, didn't you? I yeah, it's in London. I don't even think it's elsewhere in the world yet. I think it hasn't okay. opened in like New York on Broadway York. yet, even. Off off um, off Broadway. <laughs> Was it, is it, like, I mean, how does that, may I ask, like, how does that work as a musical? Because I was not aware that it had been turned into a stage musical, and I just was a little surprised and uncertain (laughs) how that translates to the stage. These are the correct feelings to have. Um, I liked it. I would say that, hmm... So that's a resound that's as, a resounding endorsement. You're like, I liked it. Mm, and that's that's it. Well, I'm just so overly critical about everything. For, for once in my life, sure, I wish yeah, I could just yeah. be like, I wish I could just be like, oh, I loved it. The end. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, here's what I'll say. It has really cool special effects. Like the you okay. go to the show for the effects. They really did a good job with like the practical effects and the lighting and just like all of the effects are really well done. Um, the story plays out more or less the exact same way as it does in the movie. The actors that they cast 
were actors that were, for the most part, doing really good impressions of impressions, yeah. the characters. Um, yeah. I will say that uh, they at the songs that they added to make this uh, production a musical uh-huh. often brought the momentum of the story to a screeching halt, um, which is... <laughs> Usually Which the song I is supposed annoying. to propel the action forward in a musical, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. Yes, you are correct. Um, <laughs> but it would just, yeah, um, it really would just kind of slow everything down. And it was like, it was so much longer than the movie. So I think the stage play was like, um, uh, it was over two hours. So I just got restless and a little yeah. bored. But um, generally, I would give it, I'd give it like an eight out of ten. Okay. Wow, that's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, with Back to the Future, what is, like, how far back are we going into your life with this? Is this, like, one of the first movies you saw? Or, like, what is your, like, your deeply rooted connection to this? So, yes, I probably saw this movie for the first time when I was, like, seven, which may have been too young <laughs> i don't even know this if i is, fully understood it this is another one it. of those like yeah this is like one of those movies like 80s comedies where it's like people who should not have been watching it definitely did watch mm-hmm. it and then when they come back to it when they're just a little bit older they're like oh oh my goodness um that's happened to me a number of times where it's like this was rated pg how oh oh my and i like clutch oh my, my pearls oh. i'm just like so surprised <laughs> right right so i um saw it at a young age but was like immediately enthralled by it and immediately attached to it and I watched it kind of on a loop as a kid um for a while and then I think I don't know like our the VHS tape that we like recorded the movie from TV Mm -hmm. like got eaten up by the VCR and so I took a little (laughs) break from it and then (laughs) And then a few years later, I think my, like, parents bought the VHS, uh, so it was no longer this, like, ripped-from-TV version. And so I, like, rediscovered it, and that was probably when I was, like, 11 or so. And, um, yeah, I just, so I've always, for the most part, like, just always loved this movie, Um, always had an attachment to it. Uh, And the, so the song... um, the power of love is like anytime I hear it, it just immediately conjures like, Oh, this is the back to the future song. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's one of my go-to karaoke songs. It really slaps <laughs> as a karaoke song, but
you know, doesn't hold up spectacularly well, especially uh, examining it through an intersectional feminist lens, which is what I do on the Bechtel cast. I would say no. No, yeah. And that is that is something that I wanted to ask you about, and this is a perfect time to do it, is that because you're for work, you watch mm-hmm. films to look at them through this specific way and kind of like you ultimately do have to kind of dissect things that you maybe at one time had a big attachment to. And it's not just like you picking something to dunk on it. You can be like, I love this movie so much. Oh my gosh, this is so troubling. And I didn't really think about it that way. Is it mm-hmm. tough to do that? And that is that something you like, are you remiss to do that sometimes? Does it make you like not want to go back and look at movies that you hold so dear to see them a different way? Or is it like a matter yeah. of like growth for you personally as like a person who enjoys film? So uh, one of the reasons I started the Bechtel cast and that I like conceived of the idea and I brought it to Jamie is that I already knew a lot of my favorite movies were extremely problematic and I wanted a way to, <laughs> I, I wanted a way to like reconcile that basically. Sure. Okay. 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 I was like, because we preach on the, on the, in church that is the Bechtel cast, <laughs> we preach that... Funnel the blessings. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I am Pastor Caitlin, and here's what I say. (laughs) That you can love whatever media you love. We're not telling you what you can or cannot like. It's more that we are encouraging people to be critical of the media that they consume. So if you have a problematic fave, watch it. uh, Engage with it. That's totally fine. It's just that we want people to be aware of the you know the harmful tropes and the stereotypes and the you know implications of certain you know character types and and storylines and things like that um just so you just so people can be better equipped to understand how media influences them how that kind of gets regurgitated and how there's like this cyclical like you know trope beget tropes beget tropes beget tropes kind of thing so we're just trying to call that out That's, that that sounds like you need to add that to the merch store just like a shirt with that on it we, so we just want to you know draw attention to those tropes and make people aware of you know the uh, sure. the things the things the, oh yeah and... the things the things that are out there yeah no it's yeah, good it's like uh... it, it has really it has really helped me to like revisit some older movies that I was really interested in when I was younger and kind of like not recognize some of these more troubling elements or like see them in mm-hmm. a different way now that I'm much older and a li- like well versed in kind of this lens but also it it is how I look at a lot of new things too because I'm just like mm-hmm. I, any any new thing I'm watching I'm like oh is this going to pass the Bechtel test like what kind of lens are we looking at this through and so like I it's yeah. because I know like I listen so often and I think about that now so often I just can't turn it off when I'm trying to consume any media our job we did our job that i'm so happy to hear that we have infiltrated people's brains yeah you really have you like we i i do another podcast with a friend of mine and the pilot episode we did was we we watched crossroads the britney spears movie and we went 
And we went back, like, I had seen it a couple of times, she had seen it a number of times, but we both were watching it through, like, a 2022 intersectional lens and focusing on Mm -hmm. some of the elements. And we were surprised at how much of it actually held up. There weren't a lot of red flags, but there were enough where I was, we were kind of like, does this pass the Bechdel test? We were trying to figure that out. Um, But Crossroads is great. As, like, just, like, a fun, like, a fun, whimsical kind of movie. I mean, girls on a road trip, what more could you want? Yes, exactly. favorite film and the iconic oh. anthem from that film and I know that you're, you and Jamie are coming off of celebrating the 25th anniversary of this film mm-hmm. um, and yeah let's just let's just get there because we are Titan- talking about yeah, Titanic Titanic and we're talking about yeah. Celine Dion uh, My Heart Will Go On an iconic song that was inescapable in 1997 and 1998 so and I feel like I should know why you love Titanic so much, but like, what is your his what is your history with this <laughs> film? Like, how have you like? I mean, you have a Titanic VHS cassette tattoo, so like, this is yes. such a big deal to you. Um, Not my, that's my uh, my tattoonic, if you will. Um, <laughs> Not to be confused with my other tattoonic, which is on my forearm. It's just um, the ship heading toward the iceberg. <laughs> I was in high school. I was a freshman in high school when this movie came out. So was this like something that you watched when you were young, when it came out? Did you discover it shortly after? Like where, like where, where are we heading into your life right now? So I was, it came out in 97 at the very end of the year. Yeah. I didn't see it until a little ways into 98 when I okay. would have been, I think 11 on the cusp of 12 um, because the only movie theater in my town was a drive-in movie theater. Oh, wow. And I lived, I grew up in Pennsylvania, so we had to wait until springtime before it could open (laughs) because otherwise you were just driving through snow and it was cold and and miserable. And it would not be fun to sit in like a parked car, (laughs) not like not running, watching a movie. (laughs) Yeah. 
Exactly. Unless you wanted to that's just very, like breathe in everyone's exhaust fumes for yeah, two hours. That sounds or like that's a very bleak image of a drive through in the winter. <laughs> yeah. So understandably it was closed until I think like April. So I and, and okay. famously Titanic was had a, a theatrical run for months and months and months. So it was it, the number it was the number one movie for four months, I think, like four or five months. It was um <laughs> Wild. Dethroned by Lost the Wal- the Lost in Space movie, I remember. Oh, yeah! Oh remember when gosh. they made like a Lost in Space movie? Like Matt LeBlanc yeah. is inexplicably in it. Um, mm-hmm. That was the movie that did it. Was like, oh, this is number one now, and Titanic was no longer like. That like, had to have been in like. Over. July or something of 1998. It was later into, it was later, very late into the spring um, when that occurred. But yeah, Titanic had just like, yeah, yeah. And, oh my gosh. Okay, so, so. You're like, it's still number one in my heart. It is my heart that will go on. Go on. There we go. (laughs) um, And my heart, which is a deep ocean of secrets. So, um, I think Probably in April, the drive-in theater opened. Um, my mom took my sister and I to go see it. I was 11. My sister would have been eight. Um, we watched the movie, and I was just immediately like, "This is the be- this is cinema. It's not going to get any better than this. Like this is this is peak cinema. Don't even try." Um, so I just had the best time watching it. And then a few months later, when it came out on the two VHS tapes, uh, my mom bought it for me. Oh, such an iconic duo, you know? And so I spent nearly every day that summer, sometimes twice a day, watching Titanic. Um, So for the first, like, year that it was, uh, that it existed as a movie, I probably saw it, like, 50 times. And then ever since then, I've just been watching it on a pretty regular basis, usually once a month. So I and do you, when really you seen watch Titanic it, way too many times. <laughs> is that like an endorsable skill on LinkedIn where you're like, I've seen Titanic a number of times. <laughs> it is on my website. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, it's an it's item like, number one on my resume. <laughs> Before like, my current uh, work history, it's like, I really <laughs> love Titanic.
this is the big song from the movie, and the rest of the soundtrack mm. is mostly, I believe, the sco- like just the score, right? So, did you yeah. have the CD for this? Did you like wear this song out? Really... Do you love it, or do you like just kind of associate hearing it with a movie that you love? Oh no, I I love this song. Like, okay, it, do you do do you song... also do this at karaoke? <laughs> Slow it down. Yes, I yes I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a terrible singer, and so. Okay. And I'm really bad at singing songs that are sung by like female vocalists because my, I don't have that much range. My register does not go that high. So I usually sing um, like male song songs (laughs) because my voice just doesn't go that high. Um, But I will make an exception for my heart will go on and I will absolutely do it no justice. It will sound like shit. But is it that kind of the I mean, I am I'm not confident. I'm not a a good I don't sing. I would never get up and even do like a jokey kind of karaoke thing. So I admire somebody who is like aware that they are like, I'm not the best, but I'm going to go up here and have fun (laughs) because that's just like I'm like mortified at the very notion of doing that. It is. It really. I, I, what I'm hearing is that I'm so brave and that yes, I'm a hero. Yes, you very. Uh, <laughs> yes, you're very brave. You are a hero. Thank um, you. You're putting yourself out there. Yeah, <laughs> singing yes. the singing the songs that some of us are too afraid to sing at karaoke. Well, I I am um, I'm here on behalf of the people, the people who cannot, who are voiceless. <laughs> I will use my voice to represent them, and I you're, do that by you're singing. Like famously, famously, I am the voice of the people. I am for the people. Yes. <laughs> I'm kind of the voice of a generation. So, um, <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. I, but I do love singing. My heart will go on at karaoke, and um, yeah, I, I love the song in general. It if it comes on, you know, if you're just like at a bar and it randomly comes on the playlist or and under any circumstance, I will just start screaming along with the song <laughs> and people will look at me and they'll be like, who is this person? Why are they weird? Um, but no, that is, it's just, it's such a powerful song. Yeah, and I don't oh, know sure. enough yeah. about music to like really understand like, Oh, when like the key changes and the, like, I just, I can't speak to that with any kind of, um, I mean, it is what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's written. I mean, it's written to be like epic and borderline emotionally manipulative in the way it swells and builds um, and then just like resolves like very kind of somberly and tenderly at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. It's all you want in the song that's going to play over the ending credits. Like it really like it. Right. I mean, movies don't do this anymore. Movies don't have a big hit where it was like inescapable synonymous with the film and like people will buy a soundtrack that they only will listen to this one song for and like that is just not in the era of streaming and playlists like soundtracks are not really like a thing anymore which is kind of sad because I was like I really used to love going to the store and buying soundtracks for things and like seeing what was on it what wasn't on it like where the stuff was used in the movie um, right, and it's just like because that era it, is cu- come and gone. I know because because so, movies with an iconic soundtrack, they're either they're usually pulling from existing songs that you might yeah. not necessarily 
if you hear that song, some people would be like, oh, yeah, I associate this with, you know, dirty dancing. But other people would just be like, oh, yeah, that's a song that already exists. So it wasn't necessarily a lot like it's right. It's rare. It's not that it doesn't happen at all anymore, but it is rare for a song to be written specifically for a movie. And then for that song to just explode in like as far as like popularity and and really, I feel like that only happens in like disney musicals these days where it's like like let it go from frozen or we don't talk about bruno from um encanto because like those are songs that i will occasionally hear on the radio and it's like okay because that's sort of my weird gauge for like how popular is this Uh, (laughs) like how much in the cultural zeitgeist is a is a song and it's like wow if it makes it on the radio it must be something big news Um, big news yeah but or like for example um shallow from uh a star is born like that was a song written for the soundtrack that became explosively popular um but that's kind of a rare example as as far as like soundtrack movie soundtrack songs um in this era that like become so widely popular I'm ready. Okay. Let's go so let's go on. I I do I do know how, the important role that Shrek plays in the <laughs> history of the Bechtel cast. Um, yes. Uh it's like Shrek and Paddington are the like two things that you are mm. like per, like perpetually have like worked their way into like just yes. like one-off jokes that kind of come up. But so Shrek the original Shrek and the Smash Mouth version of I'm a Believer. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I I have only seen I've only seen the first Shrek. And so I oh, I remember oh, gee whiz. Yeah, sorry. You're like podcast is done. This interview's over. <laughs> I'm um, leaving. <laughs> like good luck good luck figuring out the rest of these songs cuz I'm not going to say anything. But so Smash Mouth and I'm a Believer and Shrek so like this is what this is from is this from two thousand one the first the original Shrek is, is yes two thousand two thousand one okay so yes, if you're wondering did did I regret putting this song on this list almost immediately after I sent you the email with my list <laughs> yes yes I do regret it but <laughs> <laughs> but you love Shrek so much so what what would be the other option or would it not be something you would even want to talk about. <sighs> It's okay. Well, so here's my justification for choosing this song, because um, it, it's not a good song. I don't necessarily enjoy listening to it, although it does conjure so many like fond memories of that era of my life. Because I was like, 2001, I would have been, uh, I think, entering high school, um, which like 
actually I don't have fond memories of any I was gonna part say, of my life. <laughs> I was like, entering high school, fond memories to say more. That is like no it's life a, literally anybody has ever known. <laughs> I think what I mean here is that I used movies to escape the horrors ah. of being a teenager, and Shrek was one of those movies that I okay, would okay. turn to. Um, okay. And then the other reason I chose this song, because there's also um, the opening credits song, which is um, somebody once told me the world. <laughs> All-Star? All also by Smash Mouth? All-Star. Also by Smash yeah. Mouth, correct. But Famously I by I'm Smash Mouth. <laughs> An iconic band that we all know and love. Um, <laughs> What's the use of trying? How you get his pain? When I wanted sunshine, I got rain. And then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. And not a trace. A doubt in my mind. I chose I'm a Believer because I started doing this um, bit on TikTok and Instagram, and I kind of took a, hi- a hiatus from it, but I'm oh, going to get yeah. back into it. I've <laughs> seen this. I've seen, I've seen you do this. Yes, thank you so much. Um, so <laughs> for anyone who, again, doesn't follow exactly everything I do all the time, uh, which is everybody, I have taken... <laughs> The endings of movies, especially ones that have like ex- like very iconic endings, and um, I find just the exact right moment to uh, put Smash Mouth's "I'm a Believer." Um, just drop that into the the movie to really make people think, to really make them ponder <laughs> some things. I want to provoke thought with this. You're like, you're like, and what they're supposed to be thinking about. Yeah, you know what? That's up to them. And that's up to you. It, and what you think about really, really tells you who you are. You don't need, you know, astrology to tell you <laughs> who you are, what type of personality you have. You need to watch my um, terrible videos where I put a Smash Mouth song at the end of a movie. <laughs>
<laughs> Are you ready to move into the next one from the Full Monty? Yes. So yes, Donna indeed. Summer and Hot Stuff. And so like this is, the, I mean, the Full Monty, I have not seen the Full Monty in a very long time. I do remember when it mm-hmm. came out because it was like that era of independent films that were like get such a buzz about them like most of them were many like many of them were from the uk and then there would be like Mm -hmm. a big push like a big like oh this is coming out over here and this is so like well like revered and i recognized the actor um robert carlisle he was in train spotting and so i was like Mm -hmm. oh he's in a new thing and oh this is like a comedy and so i remember watching this but I have not seen it in a long time, so I was like, w- jumping in with this one, where are we coming into your life? And kind of, um, how does the Full Monty hold up, um, both like for you as a film that you like, but also through an intersectional lens? And then, of the songs in it, how did you land on Hot Stuff? Okay. S- so much to ponder. So much I know, to I'm giving discuss. so many questions, <laughs> so many difficult questions on the show. I'm going to cover them all, and I'm going to remember every single one and not. If you're like, could you please, you're going to be like, can you please repeat the question? <laughs> not me, not today. It? You're like, can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> no, my brain is so good, and I'm going to remember everything. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. So the first question, of course, was when did it come into my life, I think? Yes. Yeah, question? sure. I mean, these okay. are, this is just me kind of rambling and then like whatever the person wants to like g- g- grab onto oh. and answer as long as you oh. kind of cover like why this is even on the list. I'm I'm pleased. <laughs> so this because this song predates the movie by I don't even know how many years. Um, and it and so uh, again. The, uh, quite a while. This, the, I mean, the song is from 79. Right. So, like, almost 20 years. Yes. So, um, so, and The Full Monty is an example of a movie that has a spectacular soundtrack, but I don't think any of the songs were written specifically for the movie. Yeah. But it's just yeah. whoever the, you know, music supervisor was on that movie just did an excellent job of compiling just fun, iconic, memorable songs. So, um, be, like at the very end during the climax, the climax. I said that so weird. The climactic or the climax, the climactic moment. Um, you have like Tom Jones. You can leave your hat on. Um, earlier in the movie, they're singing or they're dancing to. Um, uh, I think it's Hot Chocolates. I believe in miracles. Um, mm-hmm. A few other uh, iconic songs on the soundtrack, but yeah, I'm um, looking at the soundtrack right now, and it's yeah, um, Sister Sledge um, is on here. What a feeling from Flashdance. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, Gary Glitter, yeah. I want to say, is on. Yeah, it. Rock and Roll Part Two. Gary Glitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, canceled. Famously canceled. <laughs> yes, I because that I think I might have chosen that song over Donna Summer's Hot Stuff, but I was like, oh, I'm not gonna like, I'm not I'm not gonna be choosing a Gary Glitter song at this time.
but the uh, there's a very famous moment from the Full Monty where this the various guys are standing in line at some office. I, I don't know if it's like the unemployment office or something along those lines, and hot stuff comes on over the radio. And they had been, you know, rehearsing their dance for a few weeks now. So they, like, have have the moves and they had, like, choreographed this dance. So as they're waiting in line, they're kind of, like, doing the dance very subtly. Um, and it's just, like, such a, a funny, fun moment in the movie. Um, and because I, I think that's one of the more iconic scenes of the movie, if I'm not mistaken. So... Um, I just I so I chose that song in particular one because it's an excellent song that slaps two it's associated <laughs> with that very uh, iconic scene from the movie as far as the movie holding up um, one from a do I still like it do I still fuck with it absolutely it remains one of my top probably like five favorite movies of all time oh if wow you haven't wow. seen the full Monty listeners highly recommend it especially <laughs> if you're in the mood for like. A fun, heartwarming British comedy romp. Like it has, and it's short. How does it? It ha- it ranks pretty high on the rompometer. Then is what you're saying? Oh, it's a it's a ten out of ten on the rompometer. <laughs> it's a ten out of ten on the on the scale of is this movie too long? Uh, the answer is no. No movies are too long these days, and yes. Two of the songs on this list are from movies that are over three hours long. So I'm part of the problem. But I also love it when a, when a when movie, a movie is comes 90 in minutes. Like a, tight, like a tight 90 minutes, yeah. Tight 90 minutes. More movies should be a tight 90, 95 minutes. Um, and The Full Monty really does that. So um, as far as it holding up from an intersectional feminist lens, um, we discussed it on the podcast a couple years ago, and we concluded that even though it's a movie um, centering men and uh, there are very few like women in the story, it yeah. also explores masculinity and like the pressure of like how what does society deem to be acceptable as far as like. Uh, masculinity and performing masculinity and presenting a certain way that uh, that society would deem acceptable as far as masculinity goes it explores all these things in like I think pretty thoughtful and nuanced ways especially for a movie from the 90s so I rated it pretty highly on the famous nipple scale Um, (laughs) so yeah I think it I, I think it holds up from okay. a like from every every lens. Well he looks at me with those innocent eyes and says it looks like you're wearing some kind of disguise because your hair sticks up, your shoes are untied. I hope that you got that shirt at half price and every word I say falls flat on the floor. I try to tell a joke, he's heard it before, and I don't think that I can take it no more. Are you ready to scoot into the next one here? And this was, I 
I mean, I remember when this movie came out. I had not heard this song though, and this was a lot of fun as somebody who really like, or in earnest, enjoys like power pop like this. So, mm-hmm. Josie and the Pussycats, the movie. You pick something yep. from the soundtrack for this. Pretend to be nice, and mm-hmm. it's got. Um, so what, like, what is your relationship to the Josie and the Pussycats film? Like, was this what? This is from when is this from? Two thousand one. So another like similar time as um, Shrek. Yes. Oh, and that's the one question I forgot. I think to answer as far as like when did the full. Oh, Monty what the full Monty? Yeah, when did the full Monty kind of come into your into life? Into my life. Yeah. Um, that was when I was in high school. My mom was okay. like just absolutely insistent that I watch this movie because it was one of her favorites and it still oh, is. Okay. And uh, I kept being like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't seen it, but I was, I just insisted that I didn't like it. Um, and then finally one day, because she was so insistent about it, I sat down with her and I watched it. I was like, damn, my mom is right sometimes. I loved it and it was so good and that's a tough one that's a tough one to swallow sometimes it's like oh damn mom was right and it made me furious make no mistake (laughs) I was absolutely livid (laughs) but but um she was right and I did love the movie so I have like curated this list based on like when these songs slash movies came into my life so um because like shrek was like was early high school for me full monty was later in high school for me and then josie and the pussycats was early college for me okay okay um, uh i had so- a friend introduce me to it i think my freshman year which would have been like 2004 and uh she was just like yeah this movie rocks and i am much less angry at, at a friend when they're right about a movie being good because um, <laughs> i watched it i was like yeah you're right this movie does rock and so yeah i saw it in the early like mid 2000s or so and i have loved it ever since um i think it's one of the best uh movies about like consumerism and capitalism um, that takes like a stance against those things um, and de- delivers that message in a very fun, colorful, uh, rompy way that is just a delight.
Does this, I mean, does it take itself, it doesn't take itself very seriously, does it? Or is it like, how, like what's the it kind of like ratio not. to like self-aware versus earnest in a, in a movie like that? Because I, I have not it, seen the Josie and the Pussycats movie. I do remember it coming out. I remember kind of the soundtrack when that was around. Um, but like in terms of the, of the film things, itself, yeah. So one of the things, one of the like comedic elements to it is how self-aware it is. Okay. To the point where... Uh, Toward the end of the movie, somewhere in Act Three, the like the movie just stops for a second, and then there's like text on the screen that just says like Josie and the Pussycats is the best movie ever. So it's like it's just aware <laughs> that it is a movie. It's like you've got you've got Alan Cumming looking at the camera multiple times and just sort of like winking and smiling. It is fully aware of okay. how kind of like silly. I don't know if I would. I don't know if this is camp. I don't know if I would classify this as is. Sometimes I don't even know what camp is, but it is something, and it's great. Whatever that something is, and it's because it's like goofy and silly, but it is extremely self-aware. Everyone knows exactly what movie they're in. Everyone's giving amazing performances. It's a fantastic movie. And then so the song Pretend to Be Nice is one of the songs that the band um, sings and performs. Mm -hmm. Um, And it happens during this montage where they are climbing the charts uh, to like the number one spot. And um, it's just a very, it's a fun song that you wouldn't really be able to differentiate from any other pop song that you would have heard in 2001 um, because it's from like um, I don't know the all of I I might have some of these details wrong but um, Kay Hanley of Letters to Cleo performed the vocals for um, all of the Josie or most of the Josie and the Pussycats songs that you hear in the movie. I don't know who wrote the songs. This one in particular was written by um, Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne. Okay. And so then a couple of them, I mean, Adam Duritz from Counting Crows co-wrote one of them, a couple of them. Oh, no um, kidding. Yeah, Kenneth Babyface Edmonds is responsible for a couple of them. It's so much fun. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, and there are some things that don't uh, hold up spectacularly well, but by and large, it's it holds up. And um, yeah, I think you know, for for a pop music aficionado such as yourself, I should um, give it a give it a watch. You should give it a watch. Yeah. Say I keep a check She was a bad 
Is there anything else about this one before we move ahead quite a bit in time? <laughs> yeah, I really We're jumping over. jumping like a bulk of your 20s. <laughs> yeah. I cannot account for why that is exactly, but um yeah, we can move on to <laughs> Sunflower by Post Yeah, from Malone. the Spider-Man. Yeah, by Post <laughs> You say that you're just like recoiling on the inside. Um, so this is from Spider-Man into, into the Spider-Verse, and I. So I, we're getting to the part of your list where I was not familiar with the songs, and okay. I have not seen. I have not seen this movie. I did listen to the song. I was. I. I know so very little about Post Malone. I see him. I see him like photos of him performing. I see that he has like face tattoos, and he has True. like a weird kind of grungy aesthetic that people seem to it resonates with them so i was i was kind of surprised by like the tone of this one because it was like not what i was anticipating at all but i if i don't know if that's like not what he usually does if this is specifically for the film so what like what is your relationship with the spider-man film and then like of the tunes on the soundtrack how did we land on this one I'm so glad you asked. Um, so, yeah. Am I a post Malone stan? I would say no. No, um, okay. I don't, like, outwardly dislike him, but sometimes I'm just like, what are you... I'm always very wary of um, white musicians who are um, doing... Ma- making music... I'm like this. Borderline appropriation. What? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, I totally understand. I, and that's very largely what he's built a career around. And so I'm always just like, sir, look at yourself. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but this this movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, is one. It came out in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I have such a terrible concept of time with certain <laughs> things, like with el- with like with albums that come out, or like certain other things in like pop culture. I'm definitely like, this happened in this year. This happened in this month of this year. Sometimes with mm-hmm. movies, I'm like, oh, that's pretty recent. And then I look at the like date it was released. I'm like. Oh, I have not like uh, that was five years ago, and I I just assumed it was like two. I'm just like whoops. I guess I wasn't paying that close of attention. Okay, like it's just fascinating how I care so much about some details, but then other things. I'm like, oh, that's a brand new movie. No, it's not. That movie is from many many years ago. Well, there's already also- going to be another one, right? There's like already they've already yes. moved on to another one of these. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it comes out in June. Like it's, oh, it's it's made and ready to be released into the world fairly soon. Will there um, be another Post Malone song for you to enjoy in oh, the new one? Do you think? Good Fingers question. crossed. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hope so. Um, so there's so this movie is I love it so deeply. It is a movie that I saw in theaters I think five times. Um, one of the reasons being that the soundtrack is very, very powerful. And I think this song was written specifically for the movie. Um, other songs on the soundtrack, I'm not totally sure. Let me just um, do, just, I'm going to pull up 
the soundtrack Scholar, on Spotify. Scholarly journal. I'm looking at it on Spotify. It's mostly, it's surprisingly a lot of like very, very contemporary like rap artists that are like yes. aimed at aimed at a very specific like age demographic of people who will know these names. And I'm like, I'm seeing these names, and I'm like. Oh, I'm washed as shit. I don't know who any of these people are. Like, <laughs> so there's a song that I like better um, on this soundtrack. Sound, soundtrack. It's called "What's Up, Danger" by. Um, it's from Blackway oh, and Blackway Black Caviar. And, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also I have two um, laptops going. I don't know how many computers you all have going when you're recording the show, but I have the one that the audio for this is going into, and then I have another one where I'm just like dinking around, looking up information while we're sure. talking. Because mm-hmm. you need to have so all this, the screens, all the screens, everything. Oh, sirens! Yeah. Oh, yeah. There it is. Celine, the, and Celine again, is pouring her heart actually, out. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, anyway, um, sorry everyone, I can't apologize enough for my singing voice. Um, so I admire, the song... the, I admire the gusto that you have though with that. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, I would just be like, I would never, I could never sing well, in front of anyone, but you are going for it, and I very I'm appreciate it. I really appreciate it. that. Yeah. Yes, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the song. Um, What's Up Danger from the Spider-Verse soundtrack is a song that I like more. It's a great, it's on my like running playlist. So, uh, which is full of songs that are just like, I don't know, they inspire movement in me, I guess. So when I hear this song, I'm just like, wow, I have to run really fast. Um, it's It plays during um, a moment in the movie um so he, a little screenwriting lesson oh for here we go here we go all the, for the folks. folks at home yeah yeah so um at the end of the second act of a movie it's pretty standard for there uh, to be something called a low point um mm-hmm. which is the sort of like oh the all hope is lost the character is so down and out and everything has gone wrong and they're so far from reaching their goal and you like shit has hit the fan and how are they possibly going to get out of this and then there's usually a moment that um kind of brings them out of this there's some kind of catalyst that gets them out of the low point and then propels the story into the third act and then you usually feel this a lot of movies um have this like not necessarily a tonal shift, but you can almost feel the shift of the mo- of the story being propelled into the third act, oftentimes because there's a really um, kind of like, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but there's just like a really uplifting song happening or just like a song mm-hmm. that like really fills you with emotion. I 
And often in, in kind of an empowering way. I noticed this um, the other day when I was watching Creed 3. I was like, ooh, there's that third act shift, and there's this song that accompanies <laughs> that. And it's just like this song that just goes like, and it just like fills you with like, I could punch this shit out of the bag. You know, so this, so this song that I'm referring to, What's Up Danger, plays during that moment where the story's being propelled into the third act, the character is like kind of ramping up to face the villain and like, you know, have the big climactic fight. Sure. And so it's so it's this montage that's happening where he's sort of like prepping for this fight and it's just this like really it's just such a powerful song. Um I didn't choose it though because <laughs> Because, um, like, let me tell you about the song that I didn't pick <laughs> to be on well, this list. Maybe, maybe I, I misunderstood the assignment, but um, it was I wanted to also pick songs that were just like very widely known and like had got were just like very popular. Um, so I was like, okay, well that's the better song on this soundtrack, and it's you know from a part of the movie that's like really. Um, just like intense and and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but Sunflower by Post Malone um, Mm -hmm. is I think number one more closely associated with this movie because again I think it was written specifically for the movie and um, it was just like the more popular song Um, and again I might have like misunderstood your email (laughs) but I was like oh they have to be like popular songs so. They don't. Ha- I mean, they don't. There's okay. no right or wrong oh, way to. No, no, not at all. There's no right or wrong <laughs> way to do the songs that you like that people bring on the show. Like as long as you can talk about it and the thing around it, like you have definitely like talked more about the movie, your relationship to the movie, everything. Like so, it you did not like you you did. This is fine. I did I'm a good job. Current, okay. You did a good job. You get a cool. gold star for picking tunes to be on the podcast. Um, I am looking at the information about this song um, to see if it was, in fact, written for the film. Yeah, it looks like... Yeah, it looks like it was written specifically for the film, and then it was included on a Post Malone album that was released the following year. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least I was right about something. Yeah. Is there anything else about uh, Into the Spider-Verse and or like your relationship? Or, like, So, I mean, I know Spider-Man plays a big role in a lot of things in the Bechtel cast because you often talk about Alfred Molina and yes. Spider-Man 2, the original Spider-Man 2, because um, mm-hmm. there are so many spider-man movies in the world there are really so many um i'm just like spider-man and batman are duking it out for like how many movies can we make about these superheroes but um i mean i'll just say that spider-man into the spider-verse is by far my favorite superhero movie of all time um 
it's and it's just again one of my favorite movies of all time it is i would also somehow all of these movies on my list are in the top five even though there are seven i would not put shrek in my top five that's relegated (laughs) honestly that's probably not in my top 15 even but it's you know i mean it holds a place in your heart Exactly, exactly. Um, but no, Spider-Verse is in my top five, and it's just, I teach the screenplay in my screenwriting classes, like, it's just such a well-crafted, visually stunning, um, again, ma- amazing score and soundtrack, uh, just across the board, every component of storytelling and filmmaking, this movie just nails it, so I cannot uh, give it a recommend it endorsement. Enough. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Before we do the last one, you were talking about how you went to see Creed 3, which is a very mm-hmm. recently released film. And I mean, for I, you obviously have to watch movies for your job. Like you you and Jamie mm-hmm. talk about movies, so you have to watch movies. But do you go to movies like all the time, like go to the theater for jo- like enjoyment? And do you still get enjoyment out of watching a movie for just like not even for the show? Or are you like, oh, great. Another movie. I don't want to deal with this today. <laughs> I still, lo- again, my personality revolves around movies, and that okay. has not changed. Um, in fact, like, I will watch a movie. If I'm not watching a movie specifically for the podcast, I won't necessarily. I have to kind con- I want, like, I turn off my brain, like, like my analytical brain, to be like, because uh, it's it's really hard to enjoy something <laughs> when you do look at a movie through an intersectional feminist lens and you, you know, notice, Oh, this movie is actually very sexist, racist, yeah. transphobic and ableist, you know, among yeah, uh, yeah, other yeah. things. Among so, other things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, some movies really just like check off every box as far as like what everything that could be problematic is about a movie yeah um but um so i'm not necessarily bringing that lens into every movie going experience i have because otherwise i would probably um be more depressed than i am (laughs) but uh so i kind of like i turn off that part of my brain and i just say like oh, uh, like, I'm just going to watch this movie for the, you know, just to enjoy the experience of going to the theater and, you know, getting immersed in the story and, you know, just and just being able to enjoy entertainment as it's meant to be enjoyed. And then, enjoyed. So it's sure. kind of like I leave, I leave work at home. Okay. And even though work is movies and fun is movies, they're sort of the same thing for me. But I'm able to sort of like compartmentalize and be like, okay, this is, I'm watching the movie through this particular lens for the podcast. And then I go to the movie, I go to, you know, AMC to yeah, use we- my A-list stubs membership, of course. I watch the Nicole Kidman commercial. I was just going to say, like, Nicole movie. Kidman would want, she would, like, what she would want you to do. <laughs> As she says, we come to this place for magic. We come to this place to laugh, to cry, to care. We do not come to this place necessarily to heavily criticize the movie. Would you ever get her monologue from that tattooed on your person somewhere? (gasps) I would get not the whole monologue, but the somehow heartbreak feels good in a place like this.
పోట్ల చిత్త దూకినట్టు పోలే రమ్మ జాతరలో పోత రాజూగినట్టు కిర్రు సెప్పులేసుకోని కర్ర సాము చేసినట్టు మర్రి సొట్టు నీడలోన కుర్ర గుంపు కూడినట్టు ఎర్ర జొన్న రొట్టెలోన మిరపదొక్కు కలిపినట్టు నా పాట చూడు నా పాట చూడు నా పాట చూడు So the last one, and I know that you've talked quite a bit about this film um, on social media, and I, I'm not fam- I'm not super familiar with it, but I listened when I was listening to this playlist. I I listened to the song, and I was like, I was getting really fired up from like how energetic this is and like intense. Mm-hmm. So tell me about this song. Not Natu Natu is the name of the song. And yes. it is from a film called. Is it just called R R R, or do you pronounce it a different? Yep. Okay. It's just R R R. And is it, so? This is a this is a music. This is a musical then. Sort of. Kind of. Sort I mean, of. Okay. <laughs> it's not a musical in the sense that like every fifteen or so minutes there's a big song and dance number. Sure. Um, there are a few songs that are performed in the movie, um, and I always mix up diegetic and non-diegetic where like the song is happening within the context of the story um and i think that's diegetic sound but anyway um but there's only two examples of that really two or three ish um where there's like a big number or a big moment where a character is like performing a song not to not to being one of them and then there's another moment later in the movie where a character is like being uh like punished in public um and he sings a song that sort of inspires a a riot Um, oh okay (laughs) but other than that it's not like a what you would think of as like a bollywood musical because it's not even a bollywood film it's a tollywood film and i can yeah um, let me a white person explain a cinema <laughs> to everyone, but <laughs> but um, so RRR is it's um a how do you just des- how should you describe it? It's a historical action movie slash drama. Act- historical drama slash action movie okay yeah it says that it's an an epic action drama yes um, and it's about fictional versions of indian revolutionaries that's what i'm putting up on the internet here yeah so Um, the poster the poster looks wild there's like explosions behind these two guys it's just yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so it's sort of like it's almost like a a tarantino-esque reimagining of history the way that okay yeah yeah. exactly so it sort of imagines like what so it's based on two real life indian revolutionaries who um fought against the british colonialism um and it's set in 1920 it's 
about these two people who never really collaborated in real life, but the movie kind of imagines what if they did and what if, like what if they <laughs> met and what if they became best friends, um, but were also sort of enemies. Like, so it's just this wild, like everything dialed up to an 11, like just this bonkers action movie. super fun i love it i have also i've seen it in theaters like six times now um i will acknowledge that there's been a lot of criticism around the movie because a lot of people are calling it nationalist propaganda um in in the context of like there's like this far-right political movement happening in india and people are saying like this is basically just propaganda for that like scary political movement i'm aware of all that and um that's the type of thing where you just have to sort of shut your brain off to be able to enjoy the thing Uh, because otherwise it is a very enjoyable movie about like uh an an oppressed group of people rising up against colonizers and that is extremely enjoyable and cathartic to watch uh one of the most iconic moments from the movie is uh, the scene that happens while Natu Natu is playing, which um, oh another uh, another siren another in trouble. Um, <laughs> <laughs> something's happening. Do you say every time you hear a siren, you're like someone's in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. Um, uh oh. So uh oh, what could it be? Um. So the Natu Natu scene is, um, so the movie also does this really interesting thing that um, American movies generally don't do, but it kind of switches genres every few scenes. It is mostly a like epic action movie, but there's a part where it becomes a, a rom-com slash buddy comedy for a while. Oh, okay. And not- <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you know how movies be doing that. So, I just, um, <laughs> body comedies really do be out here. <laughs> they do be out here in the middle of action epics. So oh, someone's um, really in trouble. Those are a lot of sirens. It's a it's a mess out there. <laughs> <laughs> so Natu Natu is this big elaborate song and dance 
number um, that happens during the buddy comedy portion of the movie. And there's this just really awesome choreography that happens. The song is a lot of fun. Like you said, it's like very like energizing and it's just, it's great. I, I love it. Okay. And this is, this is a pretty recent movie. So this is like a recent Mm. song and it's like, is this, is this up for like, this song is specifically up for like some awards, isn't it? Like current. It is. Like, so it's up for the, it's up for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. It won the Golden Globe for Best Original Song. Um, It has won, I think, a handful of others. I don't know if it's like, I honestly lose track of all the awards shows and what they are. There are many of them, yeah. But Not Too Not Too won, has won at least a few, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, well, we made it. We made it to the end of your list, and this has been so fun to, like, hear about your connection to all of these films and then, like, the song that is, like, associated with them. So I, I know that this wasn't an easy assignment to pick <laughs> tunes to talk about, but I appreciate... I, I really do... I do appreciate you your interest in doing this, but also, like, the way that you put this together. So this was a lot of fun. So I can't I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule because I know you have a lot going on because you're doing live shows and you, I mean, you do a weekly podcast and I don't know, like, if you have other, like, endeavors going on with, like, stand-up. Um, so busy. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you know, I've, I have a, a, such a full life, but, um, no, I'm, I'm happy to... <laughs> Be on the show. Thank you so much for Thank having you. me. Um, before we sign off, where can people find information about both you and the Bechtel cast? You can follow me on social media platforms such as Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Again, I am too old for TikTok. I don't <laughs> know what's happening over there. Um, but I do post my... Um, very Shrekian I'm a Believer by Smash Mouth movie the you know reimaginings of the endings of movies I post those on uh, TikTok um, but really I'm probably more active on the other uh, places like Instagram and Twitter um, you can go to my website Caitlin Durante oh and let me just say what how you can at Caitlin Durante <laughs> is how you can follow me on all okay. of those places. Um, also, CaitlinDurante.com um, for, like, upcoming tour dates and show dates and stuff like that. And um, the Vectalcast you can find on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> as they um, say. As they say. No, I invented that. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's trademarked. Every time someone says wherever you get your podcasts, I get a little check in the mail. I get 50 cents every time someone says that. Um, No, uh, yeah, so anywhere where podcasts are available, you can check out the Bechtelcast, B-E-C-H-D-E-L. And then um, I compiled a Spotify playlist, which I will, um, I can send you the link if you want to share it or or whatever. This is like the one playlist that I'm like not embarrassed to 
um, oh, sure. share with other people because every other yeah. of my pod, my playlists, I'm just like, oh my god, if anyone knew I was listening to this, I would be so mortified. But this one <laughs> is um, a playlist of um, like iconic songs from movie soundtracks or songs that I hear and I associate with a particular movie. So um, okay, I yeah, if you want to send songs, that to me. Yeah, I will add that into the show notes when this episode goes up. So that'll be great. Hell yeah! Thank you again to Caitlin for taking the time to chop it up with me and for having such a genuine and delightful conversation with me and thank you to all of the guests from this season i do appreciate everybody's time and patience and i appreciate you the listener at home um if you aren't already doing so please do listen to the bechdel cast because it is just a delight week after week and uh, give a follow to Caitlin on both Instagram and Twitter, where she is at Caitlin Durante. And then the playlist of songs that she mentioned during our conversation, uh, mostly songs from movie soundtracks, uh, that is currently linked in the show notes for this very episode. This has been yet another episode and yet another season of the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. Somehow, despite my best efforts, I am still Kevin Krein. I am a music writer and essayist living south of the Twin Cities. My music analysis and criticism, as well as some of my non-music writing, can be found on my blog, anhedonicheadphones.blogspot.com, which is in its 10th year. And I would really encourage you to listen, like, subscribe, follow, rate, review, all of the things that you're supposed to do with podcasts. Do that with this show, I guess, but also I would love it if you did it with the show that I co-host with my friend Alyssa Savino. That show is called A Reasonable Day, and it is available wherever fine podcasts are sold. It updates every other Monday. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. One place is where I put all my cries for help. One place is where I put photos of my dog. You can guess which one is which. But I am at KeviFly in both places. Um, producing this show is never easy, and I hope that it is enjoyable for you to listen to and to learn more about the music that has been important to the people that I have on here. Uh, my intent is for this show to return at the beginning of 2024. Here's hoping we all make it until then. Um, so until our paths cross again, be blessed and be reasonable. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.